Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, do we trust God's amazing love for us in Jesus every moment of our lives? Do we believe that every day is scripted, even hand-drawn by our loving God? Whether you believe it or not, my friends, it is true. Think of what the Creator tells us in His Word. Things like this passage that may be familiar to you from Romans 8. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. Or King David in Psalm 139, where he says of God, to God and for us to hear, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In the Apostle Paul in Acts 17 in a sermon saying, in God we live and move and have our very being. Now at first we think, okay God, that's cool, I trust you Lord to take care of things in my life, to map it out, to write it out, to draw it out. I trust you. But do we trust our God when it seems that he's coloring outside the lines? You know, one of the hardest, I think, one of, one, not one of the hardest, one of the difficult things of being a parent or a grandparent is the patience to allow your children to color outside the lines. Raise your hand if you're a papa or a dad or a mom or a grandma who has to help the kid color the picture so it looks better when it's done. Maybe you just chill and go, hey, he'll figure it out. It's all right. How comfortable are we when God seems to color outside the lines? He promises to bless us, to work out our life for us, but all of a sudden we look up to heaven and we're like, God, you know, what's happening now I ain't comfortable with. You're coloring outside the lines. Now, maybe it's easier for us to be comfortable with God coloring outside the lines when it's the unexpected things that are good. Kind of like the daughter of our church family, who a daughter of the church family who actually had a vac vacation to Hawaii with her spouse on the company's dime as a reward trip. God, unexpected, pretty cool, I'll take that. But what happens when God asks of his children the difficult things? Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, the Hebrew word for test means to prove the quality of. What is the quality of your faith? What is the quality of my faith? If God told you to jump off a cliff, would you? And how high would the cliff need to be before you'd kind of go, Oh, God, I, I, I'm afraid not this time. Oh, Lord, not doing it. Does Abraham's response to God's command surprise us? 
Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, took with him two servants for efficient work and travel, and his son Isaac. He cut the wood, and he set out for the place God had told him about. Does Abraham's response surprise us? It's almost as if Abraham had a Nike swoosh on his robes and just do it embroidered all over the place because that's how he responds. And we might think, whoa, come on, Abraham. Aren't you going to push back a little bit? No whining? Are you nuts, Abraham? What is God asking you to do? Or God, are you nuts? But not from Abraham. My friends, don't think for a moment that Abraham did not love his son. And that somehow this was robotic and emotionless for him. It's probably, it probably was a little bit like knowing you have to go through open heart surgery. Not looking forward to it, but you know you got to do it. God kind of wrote that into my life and it's what I need to do. And so you get up early in the morning when the alarm goes off. You packed your bag the night before, and chances are your daughter's driving you to the hospital. You'd really rather not, but it's what you need to do in prayer and in hope. Now, any different for Abraham? Yeah, maybe, but no, because it was the same loving God in control of the writing of his life. But in all honesty, does God astound us and confound us just a little bit with this ask of Abraham and his following through? You see, God knew how this would end. Abraham did not. Had God never heard of post-traumatic stress disorder? It's a real thing, my friends. And what about the kid? Poor Isaac. Do we trust God when he seems to be coloring outside the lines of his love? And what about Abraham's wife, Sarah? Did Abraham say, hey, honey, tomorrow morning I'm getting up early, I'm going to sacrifice the kid? Or did he say, Sarah, God has a mission for me and Isaac. We'll be back in a few days. My friends, It was a three-day journey. It's a little bit like, a little bit, a little bit like, like marinating a good steak overnight in the fridge or fermenting your home brew in the basement for a while before something good happens, except only God knew the good that would happen. What did Abraham know? What did Abraham know as God left him marinating? Did Abraham sleep at all on those nights of the journey, or was he awake all night in prayer to God? And in that prayer to God, what did he say? What was his going through his brain? He loved his son. Kind of cool that the Holy Spirit gives us an insight into his brain and his faith. In the the New Testament book to the Hebrews, chapter 11. We're told there, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Notice the past tense. Isn't that cool? Offered. In God's eyes, it was done because Abraham was ready. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 
Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So why? Why did Abraham get up early in the morning and just get after it and get her done? Well, it's because Abraham knew that the God of love was the God of promise. And that God had promised that through his son Isaac would come the offspring of the woman who would save all the peoples of the earth from sin and death. Abraham did not see Jesus Christ of Nazareth who was coming through Isaac, but he knew him in promise. And so Abraham somehow knew that God would follow through with blessing, with love. He had to because God had made a promise. Now chances are, in, if you've been worshiping with God's people and in God's throne room for a while, you've, you've probably heard a pastor or two use the image of a tapestry to help us think about how God manages our lives. A tapestry, a wall hanging, maybe typically, that is made up of hundreds, even thousands of threads that from the backside look like a mess, and you think, wow, what in the world is the, is the artist doing? And sometimes God's work can look that way too. That God seems to just, our life is a mess, a tangled mess. God, what are you doing? But the finished product on the other side is always a thing of beauty because God promised that in all things. He is working for the good of those who love him. On our side of heaven, our physical eyes sometimes look at what God is doing and we're like, God, what are you thinking? But in time, to over time and through the word, God shapes and molds and strengthens our faith to trust that on the heaven's side view, the front side, it's a beautiful picture that God knows exactly what he's doing and God will prove himself trustworthy in the end. But back to Abraham. When pondering Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac, beware looking too much through the eyes of emotion. For you see, God had prepared Abraham for this day and for this ask. So what's the context in Abraham's life for the sacrifice of Isaac? Let's look back in the chapters previous to chapter 22. Chapter 12, we find Abraham trusting God. God comes to Abraham. He's living in Kuwait, not known by, as Kuwait back then, Ur of the Chaldeans, between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. God comes to Abraham, Abraham and says to him, Abraham, in those days, leave your country, your father's house, go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The Bible tells us that Abraham saw his Savior in that promise. And he trusted God. And he got up and went after it. But then we see the second half of Genesis 12. Abraham and Sarah are down in Egypt for a time. And Abraham says to his wife Sarah, Tell him you're my sister. Because Sarah was a beautiful woman. Sarah, out of love for Abraham, tells everybody, she, I'm his sister, and sure enough, Pharaoh takes her as his own into his harem. 
But God stepped in and said, hey, we're not doing this, Abraham. And he keeps Sarah safe, holds Abraham accountable before Pharaoh, and teaches Abraham, trust the Almighty that I will protect you every day of your life. Then we get to Genesis 14. And Abraham assembles an army of 318 household servants who went from plunging toilets to chasing after four kings who had defeated five kings in Canaan. And when they left in victory, they took with them Abraham's nephew Lot. So Abraham, trusting in God, that God would be with him, 318 servants, they go after them, chase them, defeat them in battle, and bring them home. Abraham, trusting God. Then we get to Genesis 16. Abraham and Sarah have been waiting a long time for Isaac to be born. And Sarah hatches an idea. Tell you what, sleep with my maidservant, Abraham. We'll have, a, we'll have a son through her, and God can do his work through her. Well, God lets us know, as he peels back the layers of the onion, he lets us know how well that didn't work, as God plays along with Hagar and Ishmael. But in the end, it crashes and burns, and God shows Abraham and Sarah they just need to trust in God's time. And so then we get to Genesis 21. And Isaac is born. Isaac's name means he laughs. You see, Sarah had laughed in unbelief that God would give her a son at the age of 90. Abraham had laughed incredulous. This is just amazing if God does this. So God says, name him, he laughs, Isaac. Isaac was born to a guy who was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. And all of a sudden, wow, we can trust God in anything, Right? And so God says, Abraham, you are ready, and we get to chapter 22. Go to the mountain, I will show you. Sacrifice to me your only son, Isaac, for whom you waited 25 years. Whom you love, sacrifice him as a burnt offering to me. Remember, God knew that Abraham was ready and that Abraham would trust him and God knew what he would do in the end. God simply wanted Abraham to know how much his faith had grown. And you see, God is always preparing us for the rest of the journey of our lives. So Abraham said to his servants, stay here with the donkey, we'll worship, and we will come back to you. Do you hear Abraham's faith there? We will come back to you. Somehow God will make this right. Abraham placed the wood on his son. He himself carried the fire and the knife. Father, the wood and the fire are here, but where is the lamb? Abraham's faith. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham built an offering and arranged the wood. He bound his son and laid him on the altar. Don't ask me how that went down. I don't want to know. In fact, that's one of the questions I will not ask Abraham when I get to heaven. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And do you think Abraham thought to himself, yes, I knew he wouldn't make me do it. I don't know. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. 
Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. In all honesty, do you see God's love for Abraham in this event? And do we trust God every moment of our lives that he is dealing with us somehow in love? Yesterday at 5 o'clock, a lady was, was saying, I never doubt my God, I never doubt my God. Do you ever doubt your God? I think most of us would probably in honesty say, yeah, every once in a while I do. What's God thinking? Well, welcome to Genesis chapter 23. Sarah will die. In Genesis 23. And Abraham will live for almost 40 years in the promised land without his bride. Abraham will die at the age of 175. His physical eyes not seeing the promised offspring of the woman. Not seeing Jesus of Nazareth who will extend his arms on the cross of Calvary and die for the sins of the world. But Abraham will fall asleep knowing that he has done his part in God's plan. Trusting that an offspring of the woman would save him from sin. Abraham would die at the age of 175. When Isaac was 60 and Isaac's sons Esau and Jacob were 15. 15 years of Abraham sharing with his grandsons this amazing God who will not ask of us more than we can handle and who will always be faithful to us. And then, I, and then Abraham would die. And Lee, he would leave behind his son Isaac who had walked with him up that mountain and experience this amazing ask of God, but more importantly, experience the amazing love of God. A God who is always faithful to his children. Dear friends, living as a child of God is a little bit like lifting weights, is it not? Think about lifting weights, exercising. Don't we lift weights for strength for the future? Think about that. Whether you're going for guns or for strength, it takes time. It's always lifting for the future. We have sayings like, if you don't use it, you lose it. No pain, no gain. And so we, we, we run or we walk and we lift and we, we read and we pray, exercising every muscle that God has given us. Knowing that if we are not growing, we are shrinking. If we are not be, becoming stronger, we are weakening. And God knows that too. And so God in love exercises our faith, my friends. He sends us what we need to strengthen us for the rest of our journey. The rest of our earthly life and the journey through the grave into the very halls of heaven. The amazing love of our God. In how many things is God working for our good? Remember Romans 8, 28 from the opening of the sermon? And how many things is God working for our good in all things? The easy and the hard. 
Now, knowing ourselves and knowing our God, we have a quiz. Brace yourself, the blank is yet to come. A, the best heaven. B, the test. C, both A and B. And the answer, of course, is A and B. You see, my friends, the journey of life is a matter of trust. And what is God's purpose in the trials that we face? God's purpose is always to train us to trust him today so that we trust him tomorrow and so that we'll trust him at the end. And as I was pondering this text, I couldn't help but think again of a man named Paul. I met him when I was 24 years old, studying to be a pastor, helping out at a church. Paul had been confirmed at age 14. And then he spent 60 years walking away from Jesus, not living for him. And all of a sudden, God came knocking at his door and gave him lung cancer. And he calls the church and he says, Hey, I once knew Jesus there. Is Jesus still for me? Will he forgive me? And I had a chance to go and spend hours with Paul in his apartment, dying of lung cancer, chain-smoking like crazy, but saying, Paul, Jesus died for the world. He died for you. Paul, he's backed you into a corner, hasn't he, with your cancer? But that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He backed you into a corner to make sure you would listen. When he tells us that he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Paul, do you believe that Jesus died for you? Yes. Paul, you're in heaven through faith in Jesus. I preached for his funeral. First funeral ever for me. I could tell the few people left in his life, like 10. Paul's in heaven. Not because he was faithful to God, but because Jesus is faithful to him. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you too will be saved. This journey of life, it's a matter of trust, dear friends. Can we trust the love of our God, even if he seems to color just a little bit outside of the lines of his love? Yes, we can, because of our Jesus guarantees forgiveness, guarantees heaven, and guarantees the loving hand of his Father every day and every moment. Amen. Let's pray. Great God and Lord, we come before you today with thanksgiving and praise because you are our faithful Savior God. You sent your son Jesus into this world. You sent him to his death on a mountain. You sacrificed your own son for the sins of the world. You committed yourself to that because your love for us is so great. And in your perfect love and holiness, you followed through. Though it hurt your heart, yet in the end, you won for yourself a people who believe you and love, believe in you and love you and are forgiven and will be with you forever. We thank you for doing that for us in Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for all of the drawing and the writing of our lives that you do. We thank you for the lines that we know in your promises. 
And we thank you that you color it the way it needs to be colored. And sometimes if it looks like you're coloring outside the lines, forgive us when we doubt and help us just know we can't see all of the picture. But help us to trust that in all things you indeed work for the good of your people. So help us to trust you each and every day. Lord, we know that the best is yet to come. We will have heaven. But we also know that you tell us in your word that the tests will come too. Send them to us, Lord. Test us to strengthen us. Strengthen the muscles of our faith. To trust that on the last day of our lives, when we breathe our last, you will faithfully take us home. That is our prayer, O oh Lord. Hear and bless it for the sake of your Son who died for us. And now, Lord, hear us as together we combine our voices and our hearts of faith to pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Hear every thought of our mind and heart. Hear every request and bless it according to your will. We pray together the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And receive with believing hearts the blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. And together, God's people say, Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ Sermon Podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.